0: If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3, it's found on page 940. Zephaniah 3, we're going to start at verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughters of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgment against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in At the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. I have to admit that wrapping presents is not my spiritual gift. For one, it seems kind of silly to me to buy some expensive wrapping paper that you're just going to rip apart, right? Doesn't it make more sense to just use newspaper. Remember when you were kids, the funnies? I mean, that that was pretty special, right? Yeah, but when I do that, then my wife calls me silly and cheap, and so I I guess i got to be more careful about that. I remember one year I made the mistake of of telling my wife that I'd help wrap the kids' presents. And so what do you do when you get extra paper when you're wrapping a present? Well, you just keep folding it over, right, until it's gone, and then tape it. Well, I guess that didn't work, because... She never asked me to wrap presents again after that. The week before Christmas, I was in a grocery store and there was somebody uh, ahead of me so I had a a few minutes to spare and lo and behold, there's a Women's Day magazine right next to the checkout counter and so I do what every guy does and I I picked it up and was paging through it and lo and behold, they had an article on making your own wrapping paper. And this is what it said. They said, you can make lovely wrapping paper quite inexpensively by taking white paper and printing your own design on it, by cutting an apple in half, carving in the design, and dipping the apple in a mixture of food coloring and liquid starch. Yeah, right. (laughs) I thought maybe they were joking, but no, they were serious. Um, I think newspaper sounds a whole lot easier. There was also a hunting magazine in that same rack and they had an article on wrapping paper as well, on, or wrapping your present. And I think it had a lot of wisdom in it. It said, uh, just skip the wrapping paper, just put the gift inside a bag, and stick one of those little adhesive bows on it. And then it says, this creates a festive visual effect that is sure to delight the lucky recipient on Christmas morning. Those <coughs> Those Wilderness Magazine people, they really know what they're talking about, don't they? I mean, doesn't that make sense? It does. Now, while the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about wrapping presents or gifts, it does say a lot about the giving of gifts. Because God is in the gift-giving business. He's the reason we give gifts at Christmas time, right? Because he gave us the first gift. He gave us the best gift. And that's his son, Jesus And so this morning, we're going to talk about that gift, the greatest gift that's ever been given. And the place we're going to look might surprise you because we're looking in the Old Testament. I don't know about you, but I love that passage. It's one of my favorites. When you think of God loving us so much that he sings over us, I mean, wow. I mean, it just, how do you explain that? How do you explain that love? I know Paul tried later on in the depth and width and height and, uh, of the love of God and, and still he couldn't comprehend it. And I hope that when we're finished here this morning as well that you hear the truth, but at the same time, how do we even comprehend that? It's just so incredible. It's such an amazing gift. According to Zephaniah, the coming of Jesus at Christmas would be a day of celebration. Listen to some of the reasons that Zephaniah gives in our, our text for the celebration. and This is the first. He tells us that the Lord, your God, is with you. That God is with us. And that's been a theme, I think, throughout Christmas. We keep hearing that same idea. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. Verse 15, the King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. Then verse 17, the Lord, your God, is in your midst. In other words, he's not far away. He's not disconnected from us or apart from us. No God will appear among us. You know, I think a lot of people have this image of, of God as being far from us or so high above us that he doesn't really have time for our petty little needs. Why would we bother him with those things? I mean, he's got the whole world to look after and, and direct. It's easy to think of him as being like royalty, kind of like the King of England, and who's really unapproachable. He's out of bounds for us. Um, you have to get special permission in order to go into, God, into his presence, but that's not the same with God. But we can go into his presence each and every day, whenever we desire. And it's not just our desire, but it's his desire as well, that he wants us to come into his presence. Which leads me to the second thing I want to point out to you in our text Zephaniah says that God is mighty to save God is mighty to save not only will Jesus save us from our enemies so that we never have to fear evil again the text says but also more importantly God Jesus will save us from God's judgment against us by taking it upon himself Zephaniah says he is the mighty one who will save. And that's so true. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he was born in Bethlehem. Because he eventually went to the cross and died there for our sins. So that all our sins might be taken away. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sins, but only the blood of Jesus. There's forgiveness. Most of you probably at one time or another, you've watched that old Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer story on, on TV. Every time I watch it, it gets cheesier and cheesier. It's hard to believe I thought it was so great as a kid, but... In the story, Rudolph winds up on the island of misfit toys. Apparently, it's an island sanctuary for all the unwanted and defective toys. Some of the toys that you meet is King Moon Racer, a winged lion, who was the island ruler. There's Charlie in the box, birdfish, a cowboy who rides an ostrich, a car with square wheels, and even a squirt gun that squirts grape jelly. Rudolph can identify with them because he was kicked out of the reindeer games, remember, because of his shiny nose? Yeah. And so he gets Santa to rescue those toys and find them homes where children will love them and play with them and Happily Ever After. When you think about it, doesn't this kind of sound like the church? The church is really a place where unwanted and broken and misfit people come together. And they find love. They find people who care about them. We find out when we gather together that we're really not so different than each other. We all struggle with the same things. We go through the same problems. It's not always a bed of roses, is it? Sometimes it can be pretty uh, difficult. And uh, as misfits, we need to be saved. And that's what Jesus did when he came to the earth. Died on the cross for our sins. Listen to how the hymn writer puts it. And we're going to sing this in a little while. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the mountains, cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. There's one more thing I want to point out about our passage. It's in verse 17. And again, even before I say anything about it, I hope you are, are just dumbfounded as I am. How is this possible? How could God love us this much? Why would he choose to love us? Despite how we've forsaken him and turned away from him and gone our own way at times? Why would he call us to himself? I don't know. But that's the love of God. And that we find in the Bible from the beginning to the end. And that's what we're celebrating this time of the year. Zephaniah says, God rejoices over you with gladness. I think another way to put this would be God rejoices or God delights over you. God rejoices over you. God delights over you. God delights over you. Do you hear that? Doesn't that sound impossible? I mean, we should delight in God, but God delights in us through his son Jesus. What had Israel done to receive the Lord's favor and love? I mean if we could have read the the first two chapters you would have seen how disobedient God's people were. They went astray. They went after idols. They went after the the nations around them. They, They turned from the Lord over and over and over again. And yet God didn't reject them. God continued to love them. Zephaniah pronounces God's judgment on the kingdom. If If you look at that, um, those chapters, it's wicked political and religious leaders. Wealthy citizens are exploiting the poor. I mean, just on and on. Yet God loved us, and God loved them. So why then, given what his people had done, given what we do and continue to do, why would God quiet us with his love? What had they done to deserve this? And I think the answer is obvious, nothing. I mean, had there been revival in the land? Had the people suddenly turned and and started to worship the Lord and desire the Lord? No, it doesn't say that. God had to begin that work. God initiated it. Salvation comes from God. I mean, there's no way that we can earn God's grace. There's no way we can earn the salvation that he offers it's a gift. It's not through something that we've done. It's not by living a really good Christian life that makes you worthy of it. It's through faith alone, that's what the Bible says. It's by grace. It's a gift in Jesus Christ. A gift that you just reach out and grab and make hold, take hold of and, and make your own. That's faith. Reaching out and grabbing the gift that we've been given in in Jesus. In addition to rejoicing over us, our text says he will quiet you with his love. The imagery that that Zephaniah uses to describe this, I think is is similar to uh, what a mother does with a newborn baby. Mother consoles it, loves it. Mother knows its cry, right? Knows if it's hungry or if it's uncomfortable or... Needs a diaper change or needs to go take a nap or or go to bed. A mom knows those things. Dads do too. But I think moms even know that better. This is what God does for his people. He loves and consoles us, assuring us that, that we are his beloved. And as part of his love for us, we're told that he sings over us. He exalts over us with loud singing. Our passage says, he's not embarrassed to sing over us. That's how important you are to him. But he sings over you loudly for all the world to hear. That's how much he loves you. Can you hear God rejoicing over you with singing? Can you hear him singing? The whole Bible, I think, is filled with the words of that song. From the beginning to the end. When I think of this, it brings to mind Jesus' parable about the, the prodigal son. When his lost son finally returns home, before he, was, before he even had time to properly ask his dad for forgiveness, his dad had already forgiven him. And what does that passage say? He put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and a robe on him. Things that you did for somebody special, for the honored guest. What had he done? to deserve all that. And not only that, but then to have the fatted calf killed and then that night to to have a party, a celebration with music and dancing and all the things that were part of that. What had that young man done to deserve that? Nothing. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of God's love. And that's, I think, the idea that we have here. Listen to how John Piper reflects on this. We must banish from our minds forever any thought that God admits us begrudgingly into his kingdom, as though Christ found a loophole in the law, did some fancy plea bargaining, and squeaked us by the judge. No way. God himself, the judge, put Christ forward as our substitutionary sacrifice. And when we trust him, God welcomes us with, a, with bells on He puts a ring on our finger, kills the fatted calf, throws a party, shouts a shout that shakes the ends of creation, and leads in the festive dance. He nailed it right on the head. What does God sing over you and me? He sings the song of truth. He sings his promises over us, the promises that we find throughout God's word. He reminds us of his faithfulness, that if we abide in him, He abides in us. He'll keep us in his love forever. He sings to remind us that as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Our glorious God sings over us to remind us constantly that he is for us and not against us. Do you believe that? He's for you. He's not out trying to take you down. He's not like some God up in heaven with a lightning bolt ready to strike you as soon as you do something wrong. He's for you. He's on your side. He wants what's best for you. And just as a father sometimes has to correct his children, so God does that for us, but it's out of love because he wants to draw us closer to himself. He wants us to experience his love. This is the love we see so clearly in the manger. And this is also the love that we see so clearly at the cross of Jesus. This is the reason verse 14 calls us to sing and shout, rejoice, and exult with all our hearts to God. God's people are to delight themselves in him. Those words I just read, shout, uh, sing, rejoice, and exult, those are all all called imperatives. And, And what that means is it's not an option that we do those things, but it's commanded that each of us do them and continue to do them until we're with him forever. The Lord calls his people to rejoice and be happy because we are the recipients of his love. And we can respond like this with with love, with joy, with singing because we are the exalted ones. We are the ones that he's placed his hand of favor on. Not that we deserve it, we don't understand why he called us to himself, but that's the truth of Scripture, and that's something to rejoice in. Only believers can truly understand and, and celebrate the gift of God at Christmas time. Gives our lives meaning and fills us with the fruit of Advent: hope, love, joy, peace. You know, sometimes the busyness of our lives it can rob us of those things things that are ours by grace alone. You know, we work so hard at trying to achieve those things in our own strength, but it'll never happen. We have to do it in God's strength. We need to do it through Christ Jesus. And when you understand just how much God loves you, how much God wants to be with us, desires to be in fellowship with us, I hope that changes your heart. makes you want to desire him too this is so important as we head into this new year that God is first in our lives it's so easy to make God a part of our lives one piece of the, the, the pie but no we're called to make God first in our lives and he needs to influence everything we do everything we do should be for his honor and glory for his praise Because one day, our King will return again. And on that day, may we be ready. May we be prepared. This morning, on this day of Sabbath rest, can you hear God singing over you? Have you experienced it for yourself in Jesus? If you're unable to hear this love song in Jesus, if you don't yet know the words to that song, I pray that today you will invite Jesus to come into your heart, into your life, to be your Lord and Savior. Don't allow another minute, another hour to go by where you don't experience the love and joy of Christ Jesus. A gift from heaven. What a reason to celebrate today and every day. It's just as the angels proclaimed, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your gift of love in Jesus. Lord, what an incredible gift we've been given. We just pray, Lord, that it might fill us with joy. May it fill us with gratitude and thankfulness. May it show in the way we live our lives. Lord, we should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. To have you in our lives now, to know where we're going to spend eternity, and that's with you in our Father's house in heaven. But Father, until you do call us home, may we be faithful in shouting your praise to the nations so that they too might join us before your throne. We ask this in Christ's name.